Euh, dites donc, Nadej, euh, comment aviez-vous recruté le nouveau si rapidement la dernière fois Bah, LinkedIn. Ah bon, parce que là, j'ai besoin de toute urgence d'un ingénieur en IA. Alors, où est-ce qu'on peut le trouver Bah, LinkedIn. Mais j'ai pas le temps de voir mille candidats, moi. Comment on va faire Bah, LinkedIn. Bah, 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 bah. Vu l'urgence, vous êtes vraiment confiante, Nadej Bah, oui. Avec 8 personnes recrutées par minute sur LinkedIn, pour tous vos recrutements, il y a, bah, LinkedIn. Pour en savoir plus, rendez-vous sur linkedin.com slash je recrute. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J, Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen, and this week I'm joined by SP3 from True Heel Heat. Yes, it is me. It is me, your true heel phenom, SP3. I am very happy to be on here with you guys. <laughs> How you been, man? How's your morning been so far? Oh, it's been good. I've been spending time with my uh, kids. So I, I wore a short a shirt with them for the audio people. I, I wore a shirt with my kids on it so I could represent for them. I have four-month-old uh, twins, a boy and a girl. Oh, so, wow. So, so if, I'm not doing, if I'm not doing something wrestling-related, I'm usually with them. I was up last night. I just started uh, writing for sportskita.com so that I was writing an article for them. So if I'm not doing that, I'm being a dad. all right well let's dive into the main show itself talking about matt riddle as a possible future universal champion because vince mcmahon likes him here is the show into uh, one of the big bits of news this week um so matt riddle we're not going to touch upon the the allegations that have been made against uh matt riddle he's made his statements he's made various statements on this i I even think wwe have made a statement on it as well it's been reported that they knew of these allegations before they even signed him so we're not going to touch upon those here what we are going to touch upon though is this wrestling news uh article that was posted up uh that said that vince mcmahon of all people is really high on Matt Riddle, no pun intended. Um, the quote from WrestlingNews.co is that Vince likes guys like Shawn Michaels who have that rebel mentality and he sees some of Shawn in Matt Riddle. Matt can rub people the wrong way, but he's a good guy and will do great when Vince calls him up. I think he's a future world champion. Vince will try and tweak him, but his personality will get him far. And we had those reports uh, earlier in the year that Matt Riddle was sort of rubbing people the wrong way backstage. There was the Brock Lesnar stuff. There was the Goldberg stuff. But 
as Ollie said on the Wrestle Talk news recently, like I'm more, and I agree with him here. Those do feel like Paul Heyman planted stories. That's that's Paul Heyman being like, hey, I'm going to stir this pot a little bit and get his name out there. But according to you know this new report, Vince really likes Matt Riddle. I'm I'm not really like I wasn't that surprised by that to be honest with you because yeah. because like the one thing that I felt was like missing for a while with NXT going up against uh, AEW was a personality and someone who was like good on promos and just made you laugh. It was just like they were missing that entertainment. It was always great matches on NXT, but they were missing that entertainment factor. And then I I I, I remember it like it was just yesterday a Matt Riddle backstage promo when they first introduced the Broser weights and that whole story about him and Pete Dunne meeting, I was like, this is it. This is the personality that NXT needed. And then uh, week after week with the Broser weights segments, he showed his personality even more. And I think that's where Vince McMahon really caught like the personality and really was like, okay, I think I can make something with this guy. Yeah, I was, I mean, I'll be honest, I was, I was slightly surprised by this because I thought if there's someone that is not a Vince McMahon type, it's Matt Riddle. Um, and I, I kind of got that feeling from the SmackDown segment we got last week, which was, it felt very, so I mean, Bruce Pritchard told this story on his podcast that when Punk uh, was starting to go on to Raw and SmackDown and stuff away from ECW, Pritchard sat him down and was because Vince didn't get Punk. And one of the things he didn't get was that, well, he's got lots of tattoos. So Bruce had to sit down with Punk and be like, what are your tattoos? Because we need to make a character. So maybe your character is in your tattoos. And then I, I always thought about this anytime a new talent comes up and it's just like, ah, this is your thing now. And that SmackDown promo where they're like, you don't wear shoes. That's your thing now. Why don't you wear? Let's just let's not focus on the fact you're a badass MMA fighter. Let's talk about you don't wear shoes. That's weird. Uh, a black belt in jujitsu. We're talking about <laughs> him getting frostbite at seven years old. <laughs> yeah. So I was slightly concerned by that. But like this report, you know, it does kind of make me a little bit more comfortable because I I do like Matt Riddle as uh, as a wrestler. Um, and he, he was very nice. The, the times that I have met him, he's been very nice to me as well. So, you know, just to say that out on the record, I, I don't know anything else about the other stuff, but he was very nice to me when I met him. Um, but can you see him? being a universal champion on SmackDown? I mean, I if this was a year ago, I probably would be like in the boat of, eh, I don't I don't know. And then especially after seeing that SmackDown promo, I was I was cringing for a lot of that because I was like, you can't script Matt Riddle. Like Matt Riddle's character is it's just that. It's he's chill. He doesn't wear shoes. He's a bad. He's a bad MMA fight. He's a great MMA fighter, and he's just he could just beat up anybody. That's the character. Like I don't understand why he needs to have frostbite, and that's the reason why he doesn't have shoes. And it's it was very weird and off putting. But like I said, like his personality shines through, and his ability to kind of uh, improv, his improvisation, I think is going to be the thing that really pushes him forward and the reason why Vince is going to love him. And I can't see him as a universal champion. I mean, to be to be fair, we set the bar low uh, this year with uh, Goldberg followed by Braun Strowman. And no, no, no offense to either two, either either character. You know, Goldberg's a great character on his own, especially since he's come back as the, the uh, you know, Terminator grandpa uh, in 2017. But... And Braun Strowman is a great performer, but it's just 
those two reigns back to back have been very off-putting for the universal title. So something like Matt Riddle is something fresh. I think it would be cool. And I mean, talk about a conflict of styles as well. Seeing Matt Riddle going up against Braun Strowman does feel like, and it's what I find exciting about all this is you know, this, this possibility is that, yeah, we could look at Matt Riddle versus AJ Styles, seems like, you know, pretty much that's a, a made feud, like him versus Drew Gulag versus Daniel Bryan uh, versus Cesaro versus Shinsuke Nakamura. There's like a really good, like, mid card group that he can work with on SmackDown. But actually, like him versus Braun or him versus Bray, like the Fiend versus Matt Riddle, like there's something very interesting about that. Particularly because I, I can see the Fiend getting the title back once we, you know, in the sort of third chapter of this Braun Strowman trilogy, uh, yeah. the Fiend recaptures the, the Universal Championship from him. And like Matt versus the Fiend, it's very, I don't know, like, if you if you pan it to me in a piece of paper, it's like book this feud. I'd be like, I don't know. I have literally no idea how you'll book this. But as a fan, I'm like, yeah, I'd really be inter- interested to see that. Like, like that's just so like polar opposite characters. You have this over the top uh Freddy Cougar like monster versus the chill guy who's uh who's like a surfer who's <laughs> smoke smoking on in the backyard behind the bleachers <laughs> so it's like it's like a, a character that's based in re- reality versus a character that's totally not so I yeah. think that would just be great and honestly the match I want to see on Smackdown is Matt Riddle versus Roman Reigns because I think oh. that those two would tear it up in the ring yeah, do you know what? Roman's been gone so long, I didn't even think about that. But you're right. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. Yeah, Matt versus Roman. Because like I thought Roman did some really great stuff in that Survivor Series. Uh, the match the last year, the five on five on five, was really awesome. You know that final sequence with him and Ro- uh, with him and Keith Lee. Oh, it was so it was great. so great. absolutely brilliant. Also, and um, we haven't I haven't had a chance to say this on uh, the record yet, but shout out to my boy Keith Lee. Yeah, yes. double champion. So First so happy. Ever double champ. So you love to see it. Very happy with that. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I could see uh, if if Vince is high on Matt at the moment. Again, no pun intended. If Vince is high on Matt at the moment, I could definitely see them going quite far with him this year. There's a lot of NXT call-ups that that come up without the fanfare of Vince being behind them. And they take a little while to like just get onto the the, the boiling plate and, and sort of heat up a little bit. But if you're coming in with Vince already behind you, and if Pritchard can sort of work with Matt Riddle to kind of like really cultivate this character out of him that Vince likes. So apparently Vince loved the promo from Friday. I know like, you know, you said you cringe watching it. Same here. But Vince loved it. And if Vince is into something then we're going to see more of it. So yeah, I could certainly see maybe not this. I mean, maybe it could be this year. I don't know, but like I could see a, a lot of Matt Riddle on TV this year. I, and I think that SmackDown's like a great place for him. Like I, you know, and I love the Wednesday night uh, war with AEW and NXT, but the best match I saw last week was Matt Riddle versus John Morrison. That mm. was insane. I was like, I've never seen these moves in succession in a WWE main roster match in quite some time. And SmackDown has been delivering like quality uh, TV matchups with like that. You had Gulak and Styles this past week. You had Styles and Brian. So like you said, all those guys on SmackDown 
down guys for him to work with. And I think that he can get that push forward to the Universal Championship and to the main event scene. Like, we're getting excited just talking about Riddle <laughs> versus Roman and Riddle versus Fiend. Like, these matchups that we didn't even we didn't even think were dream matchups a year ago. It's crazy to kind of think about. And then my boy Keats coming up to the main roster. And my boy versus Matt Riddle. I, I am ready for Adam Cole to come to the to the main roster. I think that's like the the next move. I was like, if if he stays on NXT, the only thing forward is to break up Undisputed Era, and I don't want that to happen. I want it to be on the main roster. So I think Matt Riddle's the next one to get called up. Yeah, no, I mean, I it's funny enough, we were talking about this in a meeting, uh, like our, the morning meetings we have with the team, and we, we were talking about like, you know, it, is Keithley going to win? This was before the um the, the spoiler came out that he was, and I I I said I you know I can see Keith winning next week, and Karrion Cross's message of times up is not about him as champion; it's his time in NXT, and someone posted it up on Twitter today, man. Like, if Drew. Drew McIntyre retains at SummerSlam and the Undisputed Era appear and attack him. You know, three, what, like three years? Three years, years yeah. Three years, and they just recreate that angle from Brooklyn. I'm I'm all in for that as well because Drew's going to need some top-level heels uh, if he beats Randy Orton at SummerSlam, which I 100% think he should. Absolutely. I mean, Randy Orton is on the run of a lifetime and not saying something for a guy that's been around 20 years, but this <laughs> is this is his best work ever. And especially this feud with uh, Edge and his promo work. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. Drew McIntyre is on too good of a run. Like this is the best baby face push that we've seen since like John Cena. I would say Roman, but that wasn't that's successful but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just i just really like drew as wwe champion i think he should beat randy orton but i think if undisputed era does debut adam cole needs to be the next wwe champion and that's how wwe keeps him under them <laughs> under them <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um so we can't go over the aew or nxt ratings because we're recording this before they uh they come out so um we won't make predictions either like i said last week with denise i'm very very interested to see this week though i can i can see nxt picking up a third win in a row particularly because you had that the 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 appeal of potential you know of someone is going to become a double champion like you know that that's always going to be a draw and I do think that the leak was a planned leak. I think that that the, the guy in the crowd posting up that image was 100% intentional because it just got people talking about that. Oh my God, Keith's going to win the, the NXT championship next week. I've now got to watch this. It's the, the Mick Foley. Uh, God, that's going to put butts in seats. Um, you tell people the result, people change the channel and, and check it out. I, I can see a NXT picking up the win again this week. It, it's so true, though. Like, that's the first thing that I thought of. I was like, is is WWE using their own, like, something that worked, that the other company uh, w worked against them? They're going to use it in their favor and leak a spoiler. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. I was like, this is this is actually a smart move because I I did predict uh, Keith Lee to, like, win that, win the match against Adam Cole because I felt that the, the first win that, NXT got over AEW was in part to Keith Lee. I feel like Keith Lee is this star that they've cultivated ever since his run at Survivor Series, and they've kept building and building momentum for him. A lot of people wanted him to get the shot uh, at Adam Cole back when Finn Balor got the shot. And I think it was like 
official bet match with them, uh, those two and like one other person and Finn Balor won and everybody was disappointed. Like, oh my God, we want Keith Lee. We want Keith Lee. But it was like, that was the smart move because it made people want it more. And I felt like the building it around them, building, building this whole buildup to this double championship matchup around Keith Lee's journey is the reason why they've been winning the last couple of weeks. And I think that this week is going to be no different. NXT is going to win again. Um, what did you make of the Great American Bash and uh, Fighter Fest Night 2? I enjoyed both shows. Both shows were really good. Over the last two weeks, we've seen great, great wrestling on uh, Wednesday night. I I really enjoyed uh, the Great American Bash for the street fight, the opening. That was, like, different, and they, like really wanted to grab your attention right off the bat with like um, Mia Yim attacking Candice LeRae and like the, the entrance and the opening minutes of the show. So that was fun. Uh, I really enjoyed Swerve versus Johnny Gargano. That was like a real technical technical wrestling type of matchup with Swerve. It's just one of the, the smoothest guys in the ring in professional wrestling today. And it, like, I, I was like, I like this match. I really want to like it, but what does it do for Swerve? Like, I want something for Swerve. I want them to do something. But I did like the commentary kind of saying he beat uh, Santos Escobar. He's the only guy that has a victory over him. I did like them adding that. So at least mm-hmm. it gives me something to, like, hold on to. And then I really enjoyed the main event. But I, I just felt that AEW was the stronger show this week. AEW just that eight-man tag. That's like I, I can talk about everything on, on, on AEW, but that eight man tag is one of the best TV wrestling matches of 2020. It was an insane match. Like, you know, Ollie and I would, we'd, I, I couldn't shut up about how much I, I loved that match. Uh, but yeah, like, like you, I really enjoyed Great American Bash. I thought the, uh, you know, Night 2 was really, really good. The Street Fighter was a lot of fun. Scott, as, like Isaiah Swerve Scott, it's really fun. I remember me and Laurie, when we used to do the NXT reviews back in the day before it went to USA Network, um, it was during the like their prospects tournament thing that they did. And Scott was in that tournament. And it's it's one of the worst performing NXT videos we've ever done. But I was like, he is on the thumbnail. Isaiah's got in the, and I, the title is The Future of NXT. I was like, that, that's exactly what it is. One of the worst performing videos we've ever done. But, like, <laughs> but I've been, I was flying the flag for him. I was like, this dude's great. This dude's so cool. Like, as you said, he's smooth as butter, man. He's great. Like I, I I've seen him live with uh Evolve before and I've seen like he's so great in the ring, he's so smooth, but really like the matchup that I was just it took me to another level of like being his fan. I don't know if you ever saw it, it's from Lucha Underground with him as Killshot versus AR Fox. I think it's called the like the God of War match, but <laughs> It's the bloodiest matchup they've ever put on wrestling mainstream television that you will ever see in your life. And I <laughs> loved it. I loved it because he just gave himself in that whole match. And then the buildup to that, them being uh, Killshot was a character that was like in the military and AR Fox was his like, his, was a soldier in the military with them that he left behind. Like <laughs> I, I love Lucha Underground for the crazy storylines like that. But that match you have to see. I, do you know what? Lucha Underground is one of those things. We didn't get the El Rey network over here in the UK, and Lucha Underground never really got a good distribution deal. I was I was always hopeful it would end up on Netflix, because like El Rey's two big shows where they had Lucha Underground and the From Dust Till Dawn TV series, and From Dust Till Dawn ended up on Netflix here in the UK, like as a weekly show. And I was like, oh, brilliant, cool. Hopefully Lucha Underground. No, it never did. And then Lucha Underground got put onto Netflix, but not in the UK. And I'm like, how? Show me this show, man. Like, just give it to me. 
they they're depriving you guys, man. Like how how dare they put it on Netflix, but not for you guys? What's the thing? I was very very upset. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like when when I finally get access to Legion Underground, I'm gonna binge it because I I have seen bits and pieces, and when I did see those bits and pieces, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. But yeah, I I, I need to see more of it. It it's honestly is like, and it puts you it it kind of like was your first exposure to a bunch of guys that we're enjoying right now, like Ricochet, uh, Ray Finn, Ray Phoenix, Pentagon Junior. There's so many guys on you know NXT, Raw, SmackDown, and AEW that came from Lucha Underground. It's great to watch. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Immorons.
Well, let's dive into your Patreon mailbag questions. If you want to submit a question to the Patreon mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our pledge hammers over at patreon.com forward slash wrestle talk. Do not email it to me. I will just lose it. I'm very bad at my job. Uh, first up from Austin Tussie. Uh, I'm currently sitting in the airport to visit my family as I write this. So much has changed since the last flight I took back in January. I have a mask and gloves and I'm sitting far away from anybody. Whereas last time I was meeting new people in the airport and more importantly, on my way to see Worlds Collide and the Royal Rumble. Which brings me to my question. The first big show with fans back allowed in attendance, what should the main event be? For a crazy scenario like this, it has to be a match the caliber to make up for months of no wrestling. I'd love to see Kenny Omega versus Kazuchi Kurakada 5 if they could somehow work that out. Oh, uh, that, that's a really good one. I like that. I mean, I don't know how possible. <laughs> i don't know how possible it is but that's a great one to have my my idea because i've been talking about you know this rivalry for a while but i just believe that they're doing this slow burn for the reason of bringing this match out when it's in front of fans but the young bucks versus ftr yeah. that that's the one it has to be in front of fans like they can't do it right now because that's going to put butts in the seats yeah i mean i was thinking like all out feels like it might be the first big show because you know they do it over that labor day weekend this is labor day right or is it memorial yeah or yeah labor, labor day right yeah I, don't, I, I get all my american uh, holidays mixed up um but yeah so, <laughs> thanks man um but yeah so but they can always just push that back you know just do it in september if it's september's the time that we can start getting fans back into the arena or even if it's just you know small a smaller version of that but yeah you're right like the young bucks versus ftr is a match that i have wanted to see for so so long and that is i i cannot wait to see that match i i can't wait for it either and they're just doing a great way of like slow burning it telling its own story because it's a match that we wanted for so long but we didn't know like what the story would be and i think a lot of people thought ftr would come in and attack the young bucks but they're they're kind of doing this whole you know respect storyline and it's been great so far yeah absolutely uh the notorious aliada uh says hope you guys are doing well and staying safe you too my friend um his booking idea is that they should bring back Shayna baszler and bianca belair as a team they've both been frustrated with the opportunities they haven't gotten so far to destroy the women's division and challenge for the tag titles but bianca and Shayna baszler is that's an odd couple team if ever there was one but you got the power and the strength of uh, Bianca Belair mixed with like the MMA background of Shayna Baszler. I want more for Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler wished me happy birthday uh, this year. And ever since then, she hasn't been on WWE TV. So I feel <laughs> somewhat responsible for that. So please put Shayna Baszler on TV. Use, use, use our friend's idea. <laughs> um yeah he had uh, i think i figured vince mcmahon out i feel like someone back in the 70s and 80s told vince that any any publicity is good publicity or there's no such thing as bad publicity and a young vince took that to heart doing the things he's doing without any of the consequences or repercussions what do you think no i think he's just a businessman like i think that's this is just what like if like really successful business uh, business people it's what they do they they take deals if it makes them a lot of money you take that deal I've said this for years, like the WWE cares about the bottom line. Like we want them to care about what we want <laughs> as fans, but that's not their, that's not what they're after. They're after the bottom line and the profits. And this man is, I, I've said it once, I'll say it again. The greatest of all time. <laughs> this man. 
Uh, Owen says, uh, hi, Rest Talk. Hope you're doing well. I was wondering, has Keith Lee ever done a promo where he says limitless since that's so much part of his merch? And I don't think I've ever heard him say it in a promo. When he gets called up to the main roster, how long do you think before Vince McMahon turns that into his catchphrase? I give it two weeks. Thank you for continuing to produce fantastic contents. He must have done at some points. I've I've heard him say like he's uh, limitless before. I just. I just feel like um, they're just trying to like mix him up. He doesn't have to only say that in NXT, <laughs> but he's probably right. He's uh, he or she's probably right. They're gonna just have him push it to a head on the main <laughs> roster. Uh, Dwayne the Gronk Johnson says, uh, "I just watched Adam's booking video for Bobby Lashley over on Parts Fun Known. Go check that out." Uh, and funnily enough, I booked the exact same storyline on my Universe Mode on Two K Nineteen a couple of months back. It made me want to ask you guys, has there ever been a time where you were just playing and joking around about a storyline or a match that actually ended up being booked? I think I did once say the dark timeline of 2020, obviously, you know, pre the actual dark timeline that we got was that uh, Goldberg wins the universal title. So we get Spear versus Spear at WrestleMania, which, you know, we nearly did. (laughs) (laughs) We, we, it was much better done in your universe than it was in this one. (laughs) Um, I in I think it was WWE uh, 12 in the story mode. I made CM Punk uh, go after the streak, and then the following the following year it was CM Punk versus the Undertaker at WrestleMania 29. So, <laughs> and my my best friend uh, Steve Stash once made a tag team. I think it was in WWE 11. Uh, of Evan Bourne and Kofi Kingston, and he called them Air Boom. And no then months way. later, they became Air Boom on WWE TV. That that was like the mind blowing moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on um, the old EWR games, like the the, the text based um, uh, management system games, where you book shows and like you hire in wrestlers and stuff like that. Which I, you know, I attribute to the fact that I didn't do particularly well at university because I spent more time um making tna the biggest promotion in the world but i did i always used to hire uh jody fleisch and johnny storm who were like british wrestlers uh so from the early 2000s and always called them the british invasion as their tag team name and then a few years later tna had a team called british invasion it was just with um nick aldis and doug williams instead (laughs) he was like you chose the wrong guy uh nick corvello says uh hey luke an honorary wrestle talk podcast guest i hope you're doing well it's interesting uh lately to see which new guest pops up each week um i can only see my mailbag question that was late for two weeks ago including my uh own was skipped over uh, which is fine in case they were part of my message was obsolete uh over the progress that was made in aew's women's division however I still want to address Laurie's answer to my question from three weeks back on who will be the first woman to defect from AEW to WWE. Laurie said Britt Baker due to the exposure factor and Adam Cole, both good reasons, but it does need to be stated that for Britt, uh, from Britt's own words, she's happy doing being both a real dentist and a pro wrestler, and if she went to WWE, she would have to give up her dentistry career. I'd only see her directing uh, defecting if she went all in on pro wrestling. I just feel like the record needed to be set straight on that. There we go. Uh, (laughs) Aaron Ryan uh, says, uh, been a patron for a while now. I just wanted to ask my first question. 
Would you prefer to see the women's division be one, having Sasha beat Asuka at the horror show at Extreme Rules, then facing Bailey at the greatest party of the SummerSlam to make an undisputed women's champion? I have a feel that one champion across the two shows will help the loss of Becky and Charlotte. Maybe introducing a mid-card title of the division can be more beneficial for the women's division as it would help elevate underutilized stars and can maybe lead to more meaningful multi-women matches instead of a pointless battle royal. Keep providing consistent entertainment and most of all, keep being boss. This comes up a lot. Like I've never really been into the idea of just merging the women's divisions together um, in the same way that I've never really been into the idea of just having them on one show because it makes it feel like a bit of a, a gimmick. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Um, I think that this was an idea that they probably thought about or tossed around with at WrestleMania 35 when Becky won both titles. I just think that it's not feasible because there's so many women on their roster that if you just combined all the two there's going to be so many women that aren't doing anything we already have two different titles the raw women's title and the smackdown women's title and we, like we've just said before bianca belair is not on tv Shayna baszler is not on tv ruby riot is not you know capitalized on the way she should have when she returned uh you know I, I love the the push of the Iconics. The Iconics are somebody that they seem to be getting behind, but they just need to get behind more of these ladies and create more stories. I feel like they're they're doing it little by little with like stuff like the Lana and Natalia uh, partnership, but they just need to do it more. They need to do it with all the ladies. Where has Naomi been? Where has Carmella been? Where like there's so many ladies that are just not on TV that I feel that combining both titles is just going to make them lose sight of so many others. Yeah, I, I don't think combining the two is going to fix the problem of the, of them getting on TV. Um, as you say, if anything, it might actually make it worse for them. Yeah. Um, and I don't think just introducing more titles is the answer either. Um, I don't know what the answer is. Me, it's it's making better stories i guess but yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> just give them something like we like we've seen on like even like nxt and AEW. they kind of have like they give something for everybody like on nxt last night bronson reed he you know he just jobbed out to carry cross a couple of weeks ago but now he's already in his new story he's forming a partnership with leon ruff that's something that's something mm -hmm. like you yeah. have to Give them something to work with. You can't just say, oh, you know, we have nothing for Shayna Baszler, the two-time longest reigning NXT Women's Champion of all time. <laughs> uh, Chris Gardner, very quick question. Uh, do you think the reason Bray isn't doing the Fiend stuff right now could be something to do with the fact that the optics of him doing the mandible claw on someone in the current climate would be a little bit terrible? Thank you, Jam That Jam. Uh, I mean, he's wearing a glove at least. <laughs> I, th I thought that that was the key. Like, you know, Britt Baker <laughs> puts on her glove when she does her locks off. You know, the, the Fiend, he's already coming equipped with gloves. So he's, and he's wearing a mask. Yeah, exactly. He's covering up. He is safe. <laughs> uh bobby ross says um howdy to all of you today my question is uh this is a very interesting question this one really jumped out to me do you think oh I, I, I can't wait to read this do you think cm punk versus john cena at money the bank 2011 is overrated maybe it's a thing you have to watch live to understand but for me the match seemed kind of botchy and a bit scrambled together as if improvised of course legendary atmosphere is incredible but i don't think that carries the match into the greatest of all time territory some people think i'd really love to get your thoughts on this bobby 
Wow. Wow. That's a hot take. Uh, that is a spicy hot take. <laughs> and one I really disagree with. It's... <laughs> I, I can I can see his points though, because that was one of the things that um I think caught me by surprise when it did get the critical acclaim that it got, like the five star rating from Uncle Dave Meltzer and Wrestling Observer. I I was like, you know, the match was a there was a couple of mistimed spots, but the more I've watched it back over the years, that adds to it. It's it's a level of realism in the fact that there's mistimed spots spots like it doesn't feel so rehearsed like i watch watch back macho man versus ricky the dragon steamboat one of the greatest matches in wrestlemania history but i know that beat for beat ricky dragon steamboat and macho man randy savage practiced this match they they had a number for each spot in the match so it feels like kind of rehearsed watching it back this one I don't feel that. I feel a level of realism. The atmosphere is amazing. And yes, it's well-deserved of its, uh, you know, GOAT status among a lot of fans. And I think, I mean, Oli and I re reviewed Money in the Bank 2011. I think it was the very first Patreon podcast that we did. And in that, we talked about how, yeah, like it is quite botchy in places. But it's the it's the one of the only times I can recall when like moves get botched. And I'm like, I don't care. This is still the greatest match I've ever seen. Like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Part of that is the atmosphere of the crowd. Uh, but like, as I, I think what from what I get from Bobby's sort of message there is that he wasn't watching wrestling at that time. And I do think that does help, like even watching it in, in retrospect, because it, it transports you back to that time when you were watching that. Like I, I remember that summer very, very vividly. I remember that pipe bomb very, very vividly. And I can't say that for a lot of wrestling moments. Like you'd be like, oh, when was this match? You'd be like, oh God, it was this, maybe this year or something like that. If you watch Quizlemania, I'm, I'm quite poor at it sometimes. But like Money in the Bank 2011, that is one I remember very, very well. So yeah, like I, I think that possibly does play into it. But you, I mean, you're right. It is slightly botchy, but no way. I don't care. Like I just, I just don't care. <laughs> I, I think it's most of all is because it's one of our like big memories of wrestling being huge at a time when we're adults. And that's mm. rare. That's rare. Like you brought up, I, I love the thing that you said uh, with Denise about 2000 being your, your favorite year ever, because that's my favorite year, because that's when I remember wrestling was the biggest thing ever. Like literally, if you went to school and you didn't see Monday Night Raw, you might as well have not gone to school because you had <laughs> nothing to talk about. You had nothing to talk about. It didn't matter if you were a, a girl or a boy everyone had to watch Monday Night Raw because in 2000, it was the hottest thing. And I remember in 2011, I had just got my like first, like one of my first apartments, like two years into my first apartment. And people in my building were like, oh, yo, you're the guy that always wears the wrestling shirts. You heard about CM Punk, yo, yo, like, like showing me the video, like on YouTube, <laughs> like, yo, you saw CM Punk, he just, he went off on, on Raw last night. I'm like, I never knew you even watched wrestling. He was like, I used to watch it, but man, yo, I'm gonna watch it again. Like it became the hot thing again. And I think that's why if you watch it back, you're able to like revisit that. And then totally. you still have that nostalgia feel. But like I just said, when I watched Macho Man and uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat from 1987, I was born in 1988. I, I can't relive it. I can't go back <laughs> and relive that time. So it's kind of jarring. Like it's, it's, it's off-putting. So I can get what he's saying. Oh no, totally. Uh, you're repping 2000 behind you with that heat logo. Like that was, you know, I used to, I got it for free on channel four, man, in 2000. Awesome.
<laughs> it was on MTV here. Like that was the coolest thing. Like MTV was the hottest thing in like 1999, 2000 for me with like Eminem, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. And then uh, Sunday Night Heat comes on MTV. I'm like, this is so cool. Where else are you going to see Kyantai feud with the headbangers? Flaming <laughs> life. Uh, says, um, question I have today is um, Hulk Hogan coming back for one final match versus Vince McMahon. Personally, I don't see this being a problem, but I would rather see some NXT upstart like Gargano, Lee, or Cole have a five-minute squash match against Hogan to retire him. Who should put Hogan out to pasture, in your opinion? I, I feel like we've all, I think that's kind of been done now. Like, I, I think we had Hogan's last match was in TNA. Like, I don't know if we, I, I mean, it, it'll be a Saudi show, but then it will probably be a sort of another nostalgia match pitting him against like Triple H or something, or, you know, Goldberg or whatever. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think we need to see another Hulk Hogan match, particularly not against Vince McMahon at this point. I, I don't want to see any other Vince McMahon match ever since WrestleMania 26 and his matchup with Bret the Hitman Hart. And I think this, uh, that Hulk Hogan scenario might be worse than that. So, <laughs> so. No, I, I don't think, I think we were past that time where we wanted to see Hogan in the ring. But if it was to happen in this hypothetical scenario, John Cena. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, if it can't be Steve Austin, it better be John Cena. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, he also adds in as well, uh, my suggestion for the Rust Talk Extra podcast pay-per-view. I went through your guys' archives and found that your very first review was Money in the Bank 2015 or 2016. So why not put a stop to anything after that pay-per-view? So there's no repeating of pay-per-views you've already done. Much love, Jam That Jam. That? rule is there you're we don't we're not we we say try not to suggest things we've already reviewed whether that be in our free feed archive or anything that we've done in the, the podcast archive do you not remember flaming clive the controversy over all in winning last year and people got really annoyed because ollie and laurie did a small review of it i didn't get to watch that again i really wanted to watch that show i had to do something else instead <laughs> They took it away from you. <laughs> they did. I want because fun fact, people. I don't know if you don't listen to the podcast, you won't have heard this. I've never seen All In. What? I was I was on my honeymoon when All In happens, so I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't watching wrestling. I was on my honeymoon, and when I got back and I went straight into work, I'm catching up on all the the stuff that I've never seen it. I've only seen a handful of matches. I saw Kenny versus Penta, and the main events. That's all I've seen. <laughs> So you've never seen Cody versus Nick Aldis? Never seen it. Wow. And that, and this is why SP3, I wanted us to do all in last year. This is why I wanted to do that show, and it got taken away from me. <laughs> Robbed. And, and funny enough to bring it all together with the podcast guest, I was actually sitting right next to Alex at All In. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. I was right next to the Queen of the Ring at All In. We were we were marking out. We were <laughs> we were singing the Kenny Omega song. <laughs> yes, she into my microphone, I into her microphone. It was a great time. Great. All In is the greatest event that I've ever been there, been live for, ever. Oh, maybe I'll watch it now. Maybe this will be the year. I should have used lockdown to, to watch some of this. Erectly, <laughs> uh, with a very short question, will Raw have one million or less viewers this year? I don't know if I can see it going below 1 million, but like, you know, 1.6 this month uh, or the last, this past Monday is not great. Um, but yeah, I, I could see maybe getting to below 1.5, but I don't know if I can see it going below 1 million. 
No, no, I don't think Raw would ever go below 1 million. Like 1.4, 1.5, I think is like going to be the, the bottom out for them. But they're in like a hard time right now. Like they're just, and funny enough, the things that work is nostalgia. So we're going to see probably plenty more nostalgia coming up for Monday Night Raw. Exactly. There'll be some raw reunion that they'll promote. Or and I, I did say on a couple of weeks ago, we're just three weeks away from a Steve Austin return. Like it's or 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 a McMahon as an authority figure. Oh, there it is. Bring back the authority. That's what I say. Uh, Dylan from Cork. Uh, I recently subscribed to Impact Plus. Uh, I've got to say, I'm really excited for Slammiversary and the potential debuts and returns that may occur at that show. Yes, yeah, coming a stacked old show. That great card, top to bottom already, but. Like, I mean, EC3 is winning the title. Surely it's EC3's the mystery man and he's winning. You think so? Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be EC3. I, I, I'm, I, like, very intrigued by this. Like, I've been a big fan of Impact for the past two years since they had, like, started their, like, rebranding. I feel like they haven't had a bad pay-per-view since then, since 2018. And they've just been on a roll. They've had, you know, some some down points. You know, the recent thing with Tessa has been a down point for them. But they have kind of used that in their favor and created a great buzz going into this show. And I'm excited for it. Yeah. Um, do you know what I'm really stoked for is um, the North versus Callahan and Shamrock. Like... I, I am stoked for the North winning and the good <laughs> brothers coming out and attacking them to set up that feud because I feel like that feud is going to be huge. There you go. You heard it here first. Uh, anyway, Dylan's question is, I didn't watch TNA from 2006 to 2009. Sorry, I did watch TNA from 2006 to 2009. Kind of dropped off a bit after that. I feel like I've forgotten about a lot of the shows that happened during that period. What are some of the classic TNA pay-per-views that you would recommend? Doesn't have to be from that period I mentioned previously. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Excellent question. Because a lot of like the early day TNA pay-per-views from that's like from you know Victory Road 05 or whatever it was, sort of onwards to about 2009. A lot of them had they're not great cards, but there's some great matches on them so like you know you, the victory they always had like really pants main events because it'd be jeff jarrett versus someone in a very boring main event um but you always had a kick-ass like x division match or a really great x division opener or like a really exciting six-man tag to, to start the show so i i'm gonna go to bat for slammiversary 06 i think it's 06 i'm gonna quickly google this now just so i'm not getting this wrong <laughs> I think A, it's the one where Raven wins the title. Spoilers. Um, but Maybe, I, think it's, I think that might be 2005. It, yeah, I think you're absolutely right because I just Googled it then. Yeah, I think you're right. So it's two, so we made Victory Road 2004 then. Man. Wow. I'm really old. Yeah. So yeah, Raven wins the King of the Mountain in 2005. You've got Daniels versus Chris Sabian, uh, America's Most Wanted versus Three Live Crew, uh, Smojo versus Sanjay Dutt. The Naturals versus Team Canada. See, but this is again, there's like a lot of stuff on there that's not great. But you also have an X Division Six way that I very much remember: Shark Boy, Amazing Red, Delirious, Elix Skipper, Jarrell Clark, and Zach Gowan. Wow, that that sounds like fun, <laughs> it is, and it is fun. It's only six minutes, but it's very fun. <laughs> He's like, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah, lot of fun. <laughs> oh yeah. If I could pick, like, I think, like, I, that's the reason I knew that it was 2005 that Raven won the title is because probably my favorite uh, TNA pay-per-view is Unbreakable 2005. 
where yes. Raven defended the the title Rhino. at Rhino, and and it was a throwback to their match, their their hardcore title match in two thousand one. So that was a great match. But of course, everyone remembers this pay per view for the main event: Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels, the only five star match in TNA history. It that was like that broke the internet for me. Like that was when I was like, okay. Uh, I was at a time where I was a teenager and wrestling wasn't the coolest thing, especially like watching WWE, but you had Ring of Honor and you had TNA like creating this buzz around the wrestling community. And that's when I was like, okay, I got to pay attention again. This is getting, this is getting good. I should have known it was 2005. It was, it was my second, no, my, yeah, technically my second first year of university. And I was getting TNA DVDs. I was buying them off of e- bootleg DVD copies of the TNA pay-per-views after they happened. Like a day after the pay-per-view would air, I go onto eBay, I can find a bootleg, a bootleg DVD copy of it uh, <laughs> and get it sent to me in the mail so I can finally watch this show. But uh, yeah, a, a lot of those shows, particularly that Unbreakable th- uh, Triple Threat, which is actually reviewed in our Patreon archives. You can go check that out. Um, what have we got next? Kevin uh, says, since Russ Talk has entered the guest host era, Who's your favorite guest host from the 2009-2010? If you even have one, I won't judge you if you don't. Bob Barker is the funniest one, but I also enjoyed Stone Cold uh, hosting the contract signing for the greatest WrestleMania match ever, Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. Ooh, Kevin. (laughs) Have a nice day. Keep jamming that jam. Um, Yeah, that guest host era was pretty bad. (laughs) It was rough. I, I, I kind of like, like, I have to say, like, the one that I remember the most for being so bad, because I was such a big fan at the time, too, was Jeremy Piven. Piven, some of us. I'm, I'm a huge Entourage fan, and Ari Gold on Entourage is the greatest character in TV, TV history. You could debate me on that at True Hill Heat. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> When he came on Monday Night Raw, I was excited for it. And then that summer fest, oh, I was like, Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you do your research? But I, um, if we're talking about like quality guest host during that era, I would have to say Brett the Hitman Hart on the January 4th, 2010 episode because that was hyped up, that was exciting, and you wanted to see that episode of Raw. Oh yeah, I watched. I've told the story before, but I had that and impact on at the same time. I had. A, I, it's the only time I've ever watched a show, like two shows at the same time, and it was very difficult to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Bob Barker is the right answer. Like he was the best guest host that they had. But the only one that really re- I remember is Rob Zombie, and that's because I really like Rob Zombie, and I was just excited for him to be on Raw. And I think he had a segment with Edge being like, Edge was the heel, and he was like, "You, I can't believe I gave you my entrance music, or I gave you your entrance music. You use my song, and you're rubbish." Well, were you disappointed he didn't get to perform that song? That's one of my favorite Edge themes. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, anytime I can see Rob Zombie live, is it's a good day. Uh, Callum, um, ah, do you think WWE are going to promote Adam Cole to the main roster with the rest of the Undisputed Era? Or is it just Cole on his own? I can see him with that. I can see the group, the group going up. I, I think he works best, and I think that WWE, you know, they're they're not that confident in those smaller heels. They need those heaters, and this guy comes equipped with two to three extra heaters for him, <laughs> for him to get offense on the Drew McIntyres of the world. So I think that Undisputed Era as a unit needs to get called up. Marcus Campbell, is WWE Battlegrounds the solution to WWE's gaming problem? Uh, okay, so I um, 
I, I'm not that into the idea of Battlegrounds. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's going to be fun, but I'm just I was instantly put off when they released the trailer for it, and I was like, "There's a pre-order bonus, and if you get this exclusive ultra whoop-de-doo bonus, you get these extra characters." But the thing that really tipped me over the edge of being like, "Ooh, I don't know about this," is that getting the super whoop-de-doo ultra bonus, you get eleven hundred coins, and I'm like, "Oh no, this is a mobile game." This is a mobile game we're paying a premium price for. This is not a good thing at all. No, that's that's what always turned me off about the card game. And I like the card game. Card game is cool, but I was like, I don't want to pay one price and then have to keep paying more and more to keep playing the game. <laughs> but uh, Battleground, it reminds me a lot of uh, WWE All-Stars. Yeah. In a way, but mixed with, like, what was the other game? The, the, the game where they were like, Mortal Kombat characters and they would fight like that. Oh yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a mobile game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was like Legends or something. It, exactly, like that. It it's like mix of those two worlds like combined together. So it might be fun for the people that like mobile games. I'm not really that person, so I'm not into it. I just want them to fix WWE uh, 2K, honestly. <laughs> So since Evil Luno tweeted out that he wants um, AEW Wacky Races, all I've been thinking is about like what I want now is a karting game. I just I want a wrestling kart game. <laughs> That'd be so much fun. Imagine like Dark Order throwing masks at people. <laughs> uh, RLT Sandwich uh, said, um, "That's it. I'm doing it. No one can stop me. I'm calling it right now. WrestleMania 37 will be the end of the streak. What streak, you ask?" I'm talking about the tragic 0-5 drought for none other than Sasha Banks. She lost the triple threat at 32, the fatal four-way at 33, the battle royal at 34, the four-way tag match at 35, and the fatal five-way at 36. Mark my words, WrestleMania 37 will be Sasha Banks' first victory on the grandest stage of them all, although I'm not anywhere near as confident about her streak of non-single match ending. <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's a rough old uh, that's a rough streak for Banks there. Oh man, but that's that's like prototypical of her main roster run. We went through so many years of her not being able to get one title defense. I think that <laughs> I think that's why we're so happy and we haven't uh, you know pulled out the Charlotte Flair complaint about seeing her on every TV show because we're like finally like finally <laughs> Sasha like thank you yes we'll see her on Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on as many segments as you possibly can. <laughs> Alex Kirkman, um, what are your actual thoughts on Pritchard as a booker? So I'm getting mixed signals from you guys. Can't make my mind up whether you like him or not. Uh, secondly, for Luke, as you use the word smeg all the time, I assume you're a Red Dwarf fan. What's the best series and why is it six? I mean, yeah, six is the best series of Red Dwarf. Although I, I do love, I love that first series, the, the simplicity of the first series of just the three of them um but anyway that's that's another conversation for another time but yes red dwarf's great show um pritchard so i don't like his podcast um i it, i i think it depends on the subject matter i think sometimes it can be quite good but like it went through a period of time where it just became pritchard does impressions and they can get quite annoying at times I think he also it's it's very much his version of events as so like I think a lot of people take it as gospel where it's very clear this is just like his version of events. The 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 kicker for that for me was when they brought up the Stephanie McMahon Randy Savage story 
and he was like i've never heard that story i'm like bs you've never heard the story full mate um it's yeah that's just it's his version of events and that's absolutely fine as a booker i i i don't know it's just he knows what vince likes and i've kind of been enjoying raw for the last three weeks i think he's been on some pretty good shows i'm just not really into the stories uh, at the moment on raw apart from the the, the sasha banks asker stuff so yeah like it, i don't know you maybe the reason why you're getting mixed signals from me about pritchard is because i think i i'm not 100 sure on myself on on really how i feel about pritchard as a booker and i think i think that has to do a lot with pritchard's style I think Pritchard, uh, you know, one thing that I've gotten, I just really like discovered his podcast like this year or late last year. And I've like gone through the archives and you're right. A lot of it has devolved into him doing impressions and complaining about Dave Meltzer. That's that's, <laughs> that's the gist of, of a lot of his shows. Like Dave Meltzer said this. Oh, and I don't know. He, I didn't, that, that didn't happen. And then five minutes later. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. But he didn't, he didn't tell it. No, 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 no. It's like, it's like, come on, Bruce, like calm down. <laughs> so like Bruce knows exactly what us as fans want. And he knows what's going to be entertaining at the same time, what we want. And what Vince McMahon wants are sometimes two different things. But Bruce also knows what Vince wants. So sometimes he's trying to give it a little bit of both. He's trying to give he's trying to give Vince the Jeff Hardy and Sheamus storyline. And he's trying to give us the push of Bailey and Sasha Banks. So he's found that could kind of balance on both shows, honestly. The last like two or three weeks, SmackDown and Raw have been not as bad as they were like a few months ago. Like they've <laughs> actually gotten consistent. So I'm very happy right now with Bruce, but you know, that happiness may may disappear this Friday when I watch SmackDown. <laughs> Remember the, um, when NXT UK did their shows at the Royal Albert Hall, me and Ollie went to them um, and we were just sat there and there was someone down in the front row that had an FDM t-shirt and Ollie turned to me and was like, what the hell is FDM? And I told him what it meant and he went, oh God, that's awful. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's basically what the podcast is. Um, we went to the, the Fight Forever show in London and part of that, well, they had a wrestling night, but they also had Bruce and Conrad doing a, a, a live something to wrestle after the show. And Bruce told this story and it was when I realized like, oh, maybe this like Bruce's story is just I'm, like, I'm not the right audience for this story. But he told the story about how Shane McMahon as a teenager wanted to get his ear pierced and Vince wouldn't let him. Um, so Shane decided to prank Vince by having a fake earring on to like, you know, so he came in, so he walks into the kitchen, Bruce is there, you know, the, the booking team are there, and Shane walks in as this teenager with his earring and being like, hey dad, look what I did. And everyone's laughing and chuckling and stuff, and he takes that and it's a fake. The way that Bruce tells this story is that Vince then freaked out, grabbed Shane and threw him onto the kitchen counter, grabbed a knife and threatened to stab him in the ear and be like, you want to get your ear pissed? You want to get your ear pissed? The crowd listening to this are in fits of laughter and Bruce is laughing and Conrad is laughing. I'm like, this doesn't sound like a nice thing. This sounds horrible. <laughs> this sounds very threatening. This sounds like child abuse. Like what? <laughs> it was me, Ollie and Laurie were just standing at the wall like this. <gasps> what? <laughs> I, I know you didn't card the people that were laughing and dying of fits in the crowd, but I'm pretty sure they were above the age of 50. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 
Adam Southfield says, hi, Luke, and this week's co-host. My flatmate, Andel, and my uh, are regular listeners, but she's got a question for you. If you could take any wrestlers from any company from any point in time and put them in any match type of your choice, barring Royal Rumbles and Battle Royals, what would you pick? Many thanks, Adam and Andel. Hmm. Do you know what I would like to see? I would have liked to, so I'm going to go like WCW. I'm going to go WCW 1997-ish. I'd have loved to have seen like 1998. I'd have loved to have seen like an NWO or, you know, versus WCW, like Hell in a Cell type match. Like I know they had their war games and stuff, but seeing like Hogan Sting in a Hell in a Cell, I think would have been really cool. I think that would have been pretty rad. That would have been the perfect blow off for Starcade 1997. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need the screwy ref job. <laughs> that sounds much better than what they did. <laughs> uh, I would go 2015 New Japan, Hiroshi Tadahashi versus Vader. Ooh, wow. I just uh, the uh, the one of the best underdog baby faces of all time versus my favorite monster heel like that was the first monster heel <laughs> I ever discovered as a kid and I was scared to death of Big Van Vader so and and I'm talking about the Vader from WCW I'm not talking of I'm talking about Big Van Vader not the man they call Vader from WWE. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just a fat piece of ass. <laughs> Poor Vader. Poor guy. The Anomaly, CJ Warren, uh, says, jam that jamming jam, pledge hammers. Um, thanks for backing me up about Charlotte last week. My pal had to eat his words and it made my week. Simply put, who is the best all-round female talent globally based on ring work, character, promo skills, etc.? Thank you. That is... I... I mean, maybe it seems like a really basic bitch answer, but I think it's Asuka. Like, I just think Asuka's... A, a once in a lifetime, a once in a generation talent that can do it all. I think she just gets it. Yeah, like I, I, I have to agree with you. Like I can't. There's nothing bad about Asuka's game. Like she has been able to speak the la- uh, the Japanese language and be one of the best promos in um, um, on, uh, the, the number one American wrestling co- uh, promotion. So. She she just gets it as a character. She gets in the ring. Her match uh, a couple of weeks ago with Charlotte was one of my favorite like women's matches of 2020. Like I love that match. Um, Asuka just gets it all. But uh, the first person I thought of was the person I've been saying for years before she came to WWE. So I'm glad she's getting the recognition that she's getting right now. And that's Io Shirai. Io Shirai yeah. has been the best pound for pound in ring performer one of the best in the world for for years and i feel she's always been the the best woman's wrestler for the last couple of years and she's been able to prove it now in nxt so i've been really enjoying her run by the first year shirai match i saw was her against Mika satamora and it was just like in it was a for with sendai girls and it's just it was nuts because mako's awesome she's so so great and I, I loved her run in the may young classic that yeah. was the best thing about that second may young classic was mako Sa- satamora's <laughs> run 
Yeah, so, so great. Uh, Rockstar Dougal, Luke, you use the phrase a little from column A, a little from column B. Uh, do you use it because Grandpa Simpson used it? I've taken to answering the phone saying, ahoy hoy, because of Mr. Burns. Uh, no, it's not just from the Simpsons, but uh, I, I've always liked the column. I've always liked the phrase, a little from column A, a little from column B. Uh, it's also I, it's also in Aladdin, uh, in uh, the Friend Like Me song. Yes. Um, but yeah, like I listen to Talking Simpsons a lot and they open up the show being like, ahoy hoy, or welcome to Talking Simpsons. And you know, we nearly got Ahoy as our, like, before it because, hello, it was Ahoy. There you go. <laughs> Connections. Uh, and finally from Abhiram, who says, hey, Luke, and the other one, hope you guys are doing great. Before my question, I just wanted to say the Rest Talk Interviews channel is really good. And I've been binge watching those right now. I hope they come out as a podcast eventually. They certainly will. Uh, Becky, Charlotte, and Roman are gone for now. In a few months' time, Seth will be gone too. What do you think happens to WWE once they're all gone? Their roster is annoyingly deep and talented, but not many people are potential main eventers. From what I can tell, they've got Asuka, Bailey, Sasha, AJ Styles, and Drew, who can be in the main event. That's from Abraham. I think there's more than just those names. Uh, certainly, you know, we, we talked about Riddle earlier and, and Daniels, uh, Daniels, uh, and, you know, Brian Danielson. Listen to me, Daniel Bryan. Um, that's the, that's the daniel o'brien i remember <laughs> yeah. crikey trying to sound like a proper market I, I knew his name before then uh, daniel o'brien come on um but yeah i think they've got quite a lot of like like if seth does go and there was always a potential that he could be you know going there was reports that he's going to take time off with you know becky's going to give birth at some point and seth's going to want to take some time off to to spend time with that kid as quite rightly so as well um but yeah, so like, but I think I think WWE don't they don't have a main event problem at the moment. I don't think what they have is a main event heel problem. Uh, I would certainly say like you know, Drew on Raw is lacking in main event heels. It's Randy's the only guy that feels like a true main event heel. Like you know, Dolph wasn't the original plan. Jinder Mahal was the plan. Jinder doesn't feel like a main event guy. Neither does Dolph. So it's only Randy. So it's all about like building up those those heels to feel like main event heels. Yeah, because they're doing a lot of the work now when they should have been doing it months ago. Like a guy like Bobby Lashley, who was basically just built up to lose to Drew when he could have been built been built up for months before that. And then there's there's guys like on the undercard that had momentum that kind of had lost it. Like Alistair Black was undefeated in one-on-one matches, and now he's just he's just making the save for everybody. Apparently, he he doesn't have his own problems, his own issues. He has to get everybody get involved in everybody else's business. It's just it's like it's like it does catch you kind of scared when people leave. You're like, where are all the other stars? But I definitely agree with you. They're lacking main event heels, especially on Raw. And Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, after that, it's a huge drop off to the next like heel. And they had people like Andrade and that crew and Angel Garza, and they used that to big up uh drew mcintyre when they shouldn't have they shouldn't have used uh, a stable that they were just kind of getting momentum behind to to job out to the wwe champion because that's a feud that could have they could have went back to because andrade is the person that drew lost the nxc championship to. yeah absolutely completely agree with you So uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself, man. Like, how did you get into wrestling? 
I got into wrestling like at a really young age. Uh, my grandmother was a huge wrestling fan. Like I remember being two years old and she would be watching WWF superstars every Saturday morning when my mom used to drop me off over there. And it just became something that my family just always was brought up in. My uncle was a huge wrestling uh, action figure collector. He had the Ultimate Warrior original action figure on his wall for years. That was like, I used to look at it like, Oh, it's ever <laughs> down, and I could I could play with it, play with it with the rest of my action figures. So wrestling has just always been a part of my life, and it's something that I'm very passionate about to this day. Because you're you're in New York at the moment, right? Are you a New York native, or have you moved around? Yes, I am a native New Yorker. I've lived here pretty much my my whole life. Um, I, I was I was born in Canada, but I, that was just a, a, a brief time in Alberta, and then I came. I, spend the whole rest of my life here in the New York City area. So I've got to experience uh, shows at MSG. I was actually there for Triple H's return uh, from the quad surgery in, wow. 2000, in 2002. That's like one of my earliest wrestling memories of going to a show. My mom was asleep until the roar of the crowd <laughs> woke her up. And she's like, she looks at me, she's like, don't, don't you hate this guy? I was like, yeah, but he's back. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask Alex this. I'm going to go ask you as well. Did you get to go to WWF New York? Yes, I did. <laughs> I spent many of birthdays at WWE, WWF New York. That was like a part of my my uh, my childhood for sure. And, and I did listen to your chat with Alex about this. I did eat the food at WWF New York. And yes, I can confirm. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad that I spent two birthdays there just for the fact that it was WWF New York. And then I told my mom the, the following year, I don't think I want to go there. I think I want to go to ESPN Zone down the block because they have better food. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by WWF New York because, like, as I said, like 2000 was my year. Like that, I really feel like that was the year I was massively into wrestling. And they would always cut over to, to WWF New York in the uh, on the pay per views and on shows. It was a backstage area on one of the SmackDown games. I think it was SmackDown two or three. WWF New York was a backstage area, so I was always like madly obsessed with it. And the Attitude Era podcast loved it as well. Like, and they would the, the thing that they said that not only was the food bad, it was also really expensive. Yes, they were like steaks for like 20, 20 bucks, which, you know, it's nothing now. But back in 1998, 1999, 2000, that that was expensive. Like that, they were very expensive with the food. It wasn't that good. <laughs> so the, the, the price was kind of outrageous to be I'm sure. Gonna get, I'm going to get an inflation calculator up. That's only, that's only in pounds, uh, right, U.S. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's find out. Inflation calculator, $2,020. Then in 2020, it's $29.78, man. That's 30 bucks for a steak. Exactly. Exactly. For not a good steak, not even a, <laughs> a, a well a well cooked steak. It was a horribly cooked steak. Even if you said well done, it was medium rare. <laughs> so no, it was not worth the the thirty dollars it would be today. But uh, in I, America as well, because you got to do all the you got to do tipping and stuff like that. So it's like forty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think it was uh, WWF uh, Shut Your Mouth, I believe it was, where you got to go on the train 
and it would it would take you to WWE New York. Like literally, me and my friends would always like hardcore match. We gotta go on the train. We gotta go, on the train. We gotta go to WWE New York. That's awesome, man. So like you you said you were at the the show uh, the Triple H return show at, at MSG. Uh, what other of like and you mentioned All In on the the podcast itself, but like any other like big shows that you were really happy to be a part of. Um yeah, I've been a, I've been able to go to like a a lot of different like <laughs> big shows in history. I uh, funny shows as well. Like I was at uh the famous ECW on Sci-Fi that was at the Hammerstein Ballroom where I went with my my boss at the time at, at work and with the famous turn the channel chant. We felt <laughs> like we were about, you can actually go to the WWE network today and you can see me in the second world. I'm wearing, I'm wearing an orange uh an orange button up and I literally turned my back on the big show versus Batista match with, oh, the, rest, amazing. with the rest of the crowd. We were not happy for that. But that was actually uh CM Punk's debut for ECW that night. So that was uh pretty cool to be a part of i've been to many of uh ring of honor events in the hammerstein ballroom my first ring of honor event was when uh homicide defeated brian danielson see see you're not the only one (laughs) (laughs) who beat brian danielson for the uh roh world title uh and that's when i became like a brian danielson like mark uh daniel brian mark and like I just remember him being like a cult favorite for Ring of Honor fans and we cheering, we singing uh, Final Countdown. So I felt like I, you know, I watched ECW on TV as a kid and I always was jealous. Like, oh, they got to sing Enter the Sandman. And I was so disappointed. My friends got to go to One Night Stand 2005, but I didn't. So I didn't get to be a part of that entrance and sing the song. So I, I felt like I was getting a little capture of that by brian danielson's final countdown entrance in ring of honor at every show as so a outside of wrestling what sort of what interest do you have i'm i'm big into like uh sports i i used to do a basketball podcast uh called four quarters that was pretty cool uh, i also did a men's lifestyle podcast that was called uh toxic talk where we gave you the perspective of men uh, for the w- women that didn't want to hear it or needed to hear it. So <laughs> it was kind of like unfiltered stories about my uh, my my times, like having fun in college, you know, having fun with different females, you know, you know. <laughs> but we, it was that that was also a fun time. But like I said, like I, when it's not about wrestling now, it's all about my kids and my my girlfriend, my family life. So that's what I'm pretty much into. But if I'm not watching wrestling, it's pretty much like sports and uh basketball and music of course i love love music different genres i I feel like wrestling has attributed to a lot of my musical background as well because i was introduced to like heavy metal and rock from watching (laughs) ecw at 1 a.m in the morning on msg as a kid and that and like ever since then i've been into like rock music been into pop hip-hop r&b kind of have like an eclectic type of music feel and i feel like wrestling is responsible for that too (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, particularly in like that New York area, like uh, I, I'm watching, um, as I, I, I'm not watching it at the moment because I've just finished it, but um, Hip Hop Evolution on um, Netflix. It's a really, really good documentary series. It's got so much stuff in New York there. It's one of the reasons like, you know, as you heard on my, the Alex podcast, like I'm obsessed with New York. I just love it so much. But like, you need to come on down, man. <laughs> absolutely, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I, I, the hip hop scene in, in New York was so, so cool. 
yeah especially when i was like a kid like it, that was like one of the biggest things for me like if you were you had to be a fan of somebody like my first uh cd that i ever got was mace and i only got mace because i lived in harlem i lived in <laughs> harlem i had the short box haircut like mace so i used to be a kid in my house doing all the videos and like i used to tell my mom i want the oversized clothes so i could be like them <laughs> in the more money more problems dancing like i was like i i thought i was diddy every time i was on the dance floor so like hip-hop was great in like the 90s when i was a kid and it's like evolved to to a point where you know i don't always listen to nowadays like yeah i'm more like like you like when you just said like that hip-hop revolution i was like oh i'm gonna i might want to watch that today like oh yeah <laughs> It's really, really cool. Yeah, like it's right back to like, and it breaks it up into different areas as well. So it's like, here's the Florida scene, or like, you know, here was the dirty South scene. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's really, really cool. But also like amazing archive footage of New York, the greatest city on the planet. Um, amazing. And, and you're half, and you're pretty Canadian as well. That also makes you great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to ask what your plans are for the weekend, but I'm going to assume it's, it's being a dad. Yes, it's it's being a dad. I also probably uh, later today I filmed the True Hill Heat uh, weekly podcast with uh, Top Guy JJ and Miss Chrissy Love. So we're gonna have fun talking about all the wrestling news, which you know it's always a good time. It's yeah, a yeah. and you you guys have been absolutely right. Like we thought we also thought the pandemic was gonna slow stuff down. Like we created all these different shows. Like we were like, okay, we're gonna go back and we're gonna review all the Dark Side of the Ring episodes. We're gonna review the Undertaker: The Last Ride. We're gonna go back to the Monday Night War and we're gonna review all those shows because there's not gonna be any news. And then all we 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 went from doing a bi-weekly podcast to doing every single <laughs> week. There's always news. <laughs> I was at, um, went to a meeting too because I'm moving house uh, and I, I had a, a meeting with them last Sunday and you know they were, we're having the chat but you know what do you do this and the other and I talk about like oh well, yeah I'm, I'm uh, I write and present for a YouTube channel and they're like oh what is it it's about wrestling and then you know just chatting away and then I was like yeah I mean we've been quite lucky because wrestling is the only sport that's belligerent enough to have not stopped during the pandemic and she just looked at me and was like what? And I was like, oh yeah, no, they're still doing live TV shows every single week. It's not just one company. There's there's multiple companies that are doing live TV shows every week. Just like you can't get more contact than than wrestling as a sport. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> like it's like shrug, yeah, yeah, but they're still going. I mean, I'm happy about it because I have something to watch, something to keep me entertained, but it's like, oh man, especially with the way WWE's been handling it. It's been <sighs> It's been it's been tough like i i can understand why like some fans have been drawn away from it why the ratings are down like it's tough to watch with the way they've been handling things but i like stuff like like you said i i was so excited for the return of new japan's because i was like at least they're doing it the right way like they're cleaning <laughs> the i actually they actually show me them cleaning the ropes after every match like cleaning the mat like they're going above and beyond to show me what's going on there while wwe is like everybody's been tested and then it comes out no one's been tested nope <laughs> so do you have a cough nope then you're fine on you go go ahead <laughs> uh right lastly before i let you get on how has lockdown been for you uh, it's been interesting, especially with uh, being, you know, a new father that, that, you know, I don't have the opportunity to kind of like take my kids out and they haven't seen any of their family, really. They haven't met their grandmother. They haven't met their uncle. And it's just like, 
it's like tough because you know people will be like oh i want to see them i want to see them and it's like i can't take them out like they were they actually were uh premature babies so like that they i'm thankful that they're here with me and they're growing they're getting big so i want to protect them with all my heart and i keep saying that this lockdown is gonna have to kind of persist until like the fall. Everybody's ready to gotta get back going and get into everything right now. And I'm just like, let's let's slow let's slow the horses there. Let's calm it down a little bit. Absolutely. Everyone wear your masks. Be safe, man. Just be safe, wear your mask, wear your gloves, and protect your family. Just be just be safe, and then we can get back to normal, and we can be at wrestling shows, and we can have fun again. It's just have to be patient. <laughs> <laughs> well put, my man. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, man. I was very honored and happy to be on here. Lou, you do amazing work, man. And you're so positive and you bring like such unity among the wrestling community that I'm definitely glad to do this podcast with you. Thank you very much, sir. But yeah, uh, that's all we've got time for on this edition of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Hey, Randy and Pete are back tomorrow with the SmackDown review. Then Ollie and I will be doing the Raw review on Tuesday, AEW and NXT the following week. Yeah, it's all that good stuff. Thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.